And what do we know about negative emotions? They're bad. You haven't learned anything. <laughs> what we know is that when we're in, when we feel negative, we're highly motivated to relieve ourselves of that feeling. <laughs> and that's where we got the phrase "shitting myself." <laughs> Bad Decisions. The podcast that helps us understand why we choose what we choose. Why we think what we think. And how to exploit this stuff for fun and commercial gain. Ethically. Of course, always ethically. <laughs> I'm Dan Monhart, co-founder of Hard Hat, a creative agency built for today. I'm Dr. Mel Weinberg. I'm a performance psychologist. And this is Cops about to press play on the best audio ever. We're going to do something different this episode. Ooh, mix we, it no- up. We, no- we normally start with like Dan has a weird life anecdote uh, and then we stumble into a, stumble into a heuristic and then we stumble into some advertising. Either that or we go, we're going to mix it up this time. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely either we do the normal thing or we do something different. One or the, or the other. Thing. So I, I want to start today talking about an ad. And so it's an what ad. A surprise. <laughs> well, I know and I'd have to wait 15 minutes to do it for a change. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about an ad that I kind of the inner ad nerd in me loves. And it's one of the greatest and most successful and most imitated ads of all time. And in the 16, 17 episodes we've done up until now, we've talked about a lot of heuristics that kind of have hints of themselves in this ad, but Mm -hmm. nothing that really explains it properly. Okay. So the ad that I'm talking about, of course, if you're an ad nerd playing along at home, is an ad from 1926. Uh, so almost 100 years ago, a guy by the name of John Capels, or maybe it's John Capels, I don't know. He died in 1990, so I'll never get to ask him. Right? Yeah, right. So he, he wrote an ad, and the ad uh, sort of came out in the era of lots of print advertising, obviously, and lots of direct response print advertising. So ads where you want somebody to send in a coupon or, or mail in to get something sent back. And okay. the ad was for piano lessons. And rather than doing ads about learn to play piano in 30 minutes uh, in thirty minutes a day or the easiest way to learn how to play piano, he wrote this ad for which the headline was, they laugh when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's the headline. And then there's like a few hundred words of copy underneath it. And like most ads from the 1920s, there's this like beautiful illustration that takes up probably the top third of the page, which looks like a very 1920s style dinner party with uh, a whole bunch of people sitting around uh, in suits doing what they do okay so i mean this this ad might sound familiar the structure of it might sound familiar it has kind of been imitated countless times and is actually the blueprint for most of what we'd consider clickbait these days Mm -hmm. you know so something something happened and you'll never believe what the outcome of that was okay yeah i see where you're going so Tell me, how long have you been sitting on this? How long have you been sitting in this state of discomfort, just well, not understanding this well, ad that you love well, so like, much? You know, I feel like on one re- respect, I do understand it because it's it's suspense, right? It's getting right. people to like buy into an idea and then not know how it's resolved and then have to kind of get to read something else to find out about it. Yeah. And it's why a lot of TV shows work and it's why a lot of movie trailers work. But but why why is suspense a thing? Like, why do we care? Why do I care about some illustrated guy from the 1920s sitting down at the piano you know what we should talk about this more we, we should, should solve this problem for well we you have a whole podcast for that. let's do it <laughs> all right well i'm thinking that one of the ways or something that might help you to understand it is a psychological phenomenon known as the zygonic effect the zygonic effect right and it sounds like a really cool word but it was really just the name of a russian 
uh, researcher oh. or psychologist. I'm not actually sure. We should probably clarify. Yep. Anyway, it was in 1927. Oh, so <laughs> it was in 1927. So whatever it is, she's probably not that anymore. Nine, 1927. <laughs> and if we just were to wind back the tape, I mean, this ad that I'm talking about is from 1926. Whoa. Which is just further proof that ad guys always one step ahead of psychologists and you guys just kind of turn up and put a fancy name on something that we've actually worked out. You finished now? Yeah, I'm finished now. Yeah, okay, good. So back in 1927, Bloomer Zygarnik observed while she was dining in a restaurant that waiters were more likely to recall details of orders that were not yet paid for, right? Uh So basically you're taking orders and whatever and some of them they've finished the task and they've been paid for and complete and the people have left, Um, but at orders that were not yet finished were being recalled more. The waiters were able to recall the details of them. So they were able to tell what exactly you ordered, what dishes you ordered, what drinks you ordered with it. But once it was paid, see you later. Like out of sight, out of mind almost. And this happens today, again, almost 100 years later. You go into a good cafe to order brunch and there's like nine of you and everybody makes their order. And not only do they make their order, but everybody has weird variants of it. Like menus are now just lists of ingredients and people can just assemble whatever they want out of that apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, So you see waiters somehow not writing this stuff down and often getting it exactly right. And then you wonder how long are they carrying this stuff around in their minds for? Yeah, so like this stuff was sort of happening before we had a good understanding of how memory works and how we have working memory and short-term memory and long-term memory, right? So Zygarnik was a little bit ahead of her time, but basically what the Zygarnik effect says is that we recall incomplete or unresolved tasks more frequently than we recall complete or finished tasks. So there's something in this idea of something being unfinished or something being, you know, not not yet complete that makes us, uh, motivates us to actually remember it more. So it's not so much the guy in the suit at the piano and what happened, so much it is just something that has started and my brain just wants to complete. Yeah, your brain's like exploded because you've got some information and you're like, I don't like having some information. I need to have all the information. Finish this story for me. Somebody please close this story and relieve the state of discomfort that I'm in Uh, by not knowing. Yeah, and I I guess my brain is running through all sorts of different possible ways that this thing could end or that could explain this thing that I have incomplete information for. Exactly. And as you're doing that, you're actually devoting a whole lot of mental energy to it, aren't you? Yeah. Right? Which, which it's it's not inherently positive. Like it's kind of, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I have this itch. Like somebody has given me an itch. It sounds like a weird STD story. <laughs> I feel like Skip I have that a, for another a psychological itch that... I'm expending energy trying to scratch. Right. So Lewin said it maybe a little bit more eloquently uh, than that. Than that. And, and what no he said. No mention of sexually transmitted diseases or infections. <laughs> what he said was the intention to carry out a task generates a state of psychological tension that keeps the issue alive until the task is complete and the tension is released. Yeah. Now, basically, there's an issue in my underpants and I don't know how I got there. <laughs> right. That's basically what he said. That's one way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now the interesting thing about that is that the reference cited for this quote quote from Lewin is 1935 and then 1951, which tells me that Lewin was thinking about this for 16 years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Or, so it was a big a, problem for him that needed to be resolved. Yeah, he definitely didn't have anything else going on in his life. <laughs> he was just thinking <laughs> about this. a long time, yeah. It's Not a, a lot very... happened in the world between 1935 no. and 1951, so it's not like anything else could have interrupted Mainly people trying to resolve this, this issue. Okay, so this issue of the Zyganic effect was picked up a lot later on um, by Baddeley in 1963. And Baddeley's name today is associated, you'd read it in like first year psychology textbooks, mm-hmm. his name is associated with working memory. And what Baddeley 
did to sort of illustrate the Zyganic effect uh, in a sort of roundabout way or that phenomenon that um, that Zyganic noticed in, in waiters was that he devised a test that involves involved anagrams of five-letter words. Mm-hmm. Okay, so an anagram is... It's like a jumbled up word. Yeah, like a, a, a word where the letters are all jumbled up and your task is to solve the anagram by putting the letters in the right order to create a word. So he presented participants with 12 five-letter words, right? And basically you've got a few seconds to solve each one. So let's play along at home. Tonight on Australia's biggest bargain sale, we're offering... A- the letters oh, are... Doing this. Yeah, we are. Here oh, we go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Put uh, your thinking hat on, right? Let's see I'm giving you five letters. Make a word. Only one of us is a doctor. <laughs> All I'm, right. I'm an auditory learner. This is very difficult. You're already making excuses oh, before we've even started, right? Okay. So the letters are. Well, I'm, you're going to give me letters. I make them into a word. Correct. Any word I want. Well, a word that's part of the English language. Oh, you and your technicalities. <laughs> okay, let's go. W e o t l. W e o t towel correct right and see the fun part of this is you can play along at home and you can see if you can solve it before dad that's, that's not what we're doing. are you smarter than dad that's not what we're doing <laughs> r-a-p-t-y party correct look at you also rapty right <laughs> but actually party yeah all right let's try a harder one e-v-o-a-b Boom, oh, thumbs up. Uh, okay, this above, is how the experiment uh, works. Yes, it's above. Yes. Okay, right, but you were too late. Oh. So I'm going to tell you the solution. It was above. Yeah. Okay, but unfortunately you didn't get it in time. Oh. Okay, so this is what the experiment well, involved, right? And it I wasn't, got, it wasn't like that. It wasn't the first so. two I did really well on. Very good. Keep remembering that. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> and so basically in the experiment, um, participants were given 12 of these and they were given a certain amount of time in which to solve it. And if they didn't solve it in time, if they failed to solve it, they were told the answer, Mm. okay? 12 times, right? So then afterwards, the participants were asked how many of the words they could recall, Mm -hmm. right? Obviously the solved words, the English words that were not the jumbled up letters, but how many of them they could recall. And what Baddeley found was that people were twice as likely to recall the words that they actually failed to solve Mm -hmm. than the ones that they did. Right, because they're unresolved. Yeah. Right. Well, they were unresolved. They've since been yeah. resolved. Yes. But at the time, people were devoting a lot of mental energy to it. So it's stuck. It's so stuck. so for an ad guy, like this is very interesting because obviously when we're making ads and comms for people, we want to be noticed and we want to be remembered. Mm. So knowing that leaving people with a little something unresolved yeah. um, can help us be remembered for longer yeah. is an interesting thing for us to kind of play with. And I guess when we think about that headline, uh, they laugh when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play... It is totally doing that because right. I don't know what, what did happen when it's you sit down giving you something unfinished, right? And you sit yeah. there and you think, like you said before, all the things that possibly could happen and all that time you're putting a lot of attention to it. You're essentially rehearsing this, yep. right? You're going to remember this for a long time. Once you actually do finish the story, it's going to stick with you. Yeah, like 98 years people have been trying to work this out. And and you're one yeah, of them. 96. Anyway, so you're whatever. not alone. Thank you. You're not alone in your state of psychological tension. (laughs) Thank you. So if we think about why this happens, right, there are a couple of reasons. We'll talk them through. The first has to do with how we process memories, Mm -hmm. right? And I often talk about this with clients in relation to trauma, but it doesn't necessarily, I mean, this isn't a traumatic memory. It's just a memory. And we can use the same analogy. This episode is going to be a traumatic memory when you put me into trying to do a no, 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 no. It's just It's just gentle encouragement. We're very supportive of my efforts. Anyway. So anyway. Um, the way that we process memories, I like to think of our brain having this section that's sort of like a repository for all of the memories and experiences of mm-hmm. our lives, right? And it's like a library, okay? Mm-hmm. And imagine you're, you're the librarian, yeah? Okay. And so when something... Can I when, be like hot librarian and then I take off my glasses you want. and my hair out? <laughs> that helps you. <laughs> I don't wear glasses and I don't have hair. It's just going to be difficult. Anyway. <laughs> Try and create that image. Yeah. Anyway, so you're the librarian and you are given 
a book and your job is to find the place in all of the shelves of your library that this book belongs, yep. right? And what could you do? You could sort it by author. Mm-hmm. You could sort it by theme. Yep. You could sort it by color. alphabetical all, title. You could sort it by color. All the blue books go together. Yep. <laughs> a good way to find hey, things. Hey, it'll keep things nice and ordered and neat, yep. right? And that's what your brain wants to do. It wants to store things yep. neatly, mm-hmm. right? And so you've got all these different strategies that you can use to try and sort it. When you acquire a piece of information, your brain basically has to do the same thing. It has to figure out in which shelf of the library this piece of information belongs. Mm. Does it remind you, we're talking about the Zyganic effect. How do I store that? Hmm, that reminds me of heuristics. All right, let me put that with all the other heuristics in yeah. my brain and put it there, okay? Reminds me of the, this can go in the words that sound like the garlic section. <laughs> yes, now, you can. I mean, you could. She now has one book in it. Look, everyone has their own strategies for <laughs> yeah. storing information. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you yeah. could put it there. It's like how someone with English as a second language would say the garlic. Zyganic. <laughs> Right. We're totally going off track. Yeah. Can you please you don't, have, you don't have that section. Stick with me this here. This is weird. Okay. Stick with me, right? Just so <laughs> so once you've got a piece of information that's unresolved, right, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play, right, that's sitting there like a book and your brain is going, where, do, where on earth do I put that? Yeah, it this, doesn't even rhyme with anything. No. <laughs> and it's like, does this go with the happy books? I don't know where does to put it. Does it go with the sad books? I don't even know. Does it go with uplifting? It's so confusing, it right? International drama? So what do you do with this book that comes in that you don't know where to store? What do you do with it? I, I, You're br- I, putting it anywhere is not, yeah. <laughs> is not for somebody else to yeah, clean up later. That's leave, not how your brain yeah, works. You just leave right? it out, right? What you do is you put it, you leave it on the desk. Yeah. Okay? And every now and then you'll sort of pick up the book and go, hmm, do I know now where to store it? No, I'm just going to keep covering up with other books, but it's not going to magically find its way to the shelf by itself. At some point, you are going to have to finish this memory or this this book yeah. and put it back and figure out where it belongs. Or my wife is just going to throw it in the bin. <laughs> Either way, that would get rid of it at least. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not going to help. That's not sort of how our brains work. Right. Okay, our brains aren't just going to discard it. Lucky she doesn't have access to that. <laughs> I literally remember nothing. Everything's an unresolved issue on the desk in my brain. So what's happening is that the longer that this book sits there, the more you're thinking about it, Mm -hmm. the more you're rehearsing it, the more you're becoming familiar with the actual properties of the book. And once you eventually do solve it, the easier you're going to be able to recall that when you need to, right? You're going to be able to find it much easier because you know exactly where it went and you've spent a lot of time thinking about it. So that's sort of strategy one. That's how like, that's got to do with how the way that we process memories and the way that we understand information and Mm -hmm. store it easier retrieval later on the other element of this is that there's an emotional side of it right there's always an emotional side to everything right that's what i'm here to talk about right no it's all about the feelings so the idea that we are in this state of psychological tension when something is unresolved we experience that as a negative it's it's a negative it has a negative emotional tone to it right we don't like it and what do we know about negative emotions uh they're bad oh god you haven't learned anything what we know about negative emotions is that we don't like them yes they're bad and so it motivates us to alleviate the situation yeah we're motivated to do something about it because we no longer want to feel this state of discomfort we want to heal the world yes michael jackson was we um we we want to make the situation better okay we do not like feeling unpleasant yeah and we feel unpleasant, we feel uncomfortable and we have incomplete tasks, so it actually motivates us. So this, this, you know, this Zyganic effect actually has a very helpful aspect to it. True. It motivates behaviour. So what I find kind of challenging about this maybe, so as an ad guy, I think about I'm trying to craft experiences for my clients or my clients' consumers, mm-hmm. customers, humans, mm-hmm. whatever we call them. Um, am I better off then trying to create for them a closed loop experience yeah. which kind of feels positive yeah. but is then forgettable because we've just filed it or am I better off trying to create an open loop like an unresolved thing which I know is going to hang around in their attention for a bit longer 
but it kind of feels inherently negative. Dan? Yes. What if I told you that through the magic of psychology, you could do both? Oh, I would say sign me up right now. <laughs> let me just wave my magic wand yep. and let me tell you how this works. You can create a positive experience, right? You can take a person from an emotionally neutral experience to a positive one, mm-hmm. right? And they feel good. Yep. And they like you and they like your product and they want to buy more. Cool. Yep. But we've talked about with emotions, the emotional tone, right? And how with with memories, how it's really important to create that emotional tone, okay? You can intensify the positive emotion by first taking a person down, Yeah. right? So first you create this state of psychological tension. You create this discomfort. Yeah. And then you solve the problem for them and you take them not from neutral to positive but from negative to positive. Boom. And that has a much more long-lasting effect. Yeah. Great memory created, problem solved, podcast over. So upset people first <laughs> and then make them happy. Now you're starting to understand. But no, no, wait, no, wait, I, wait. <laughs> I, 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 I upset them by giving them something incomplete that's going to irritate them. Create a state of tension that bothers yeah. them and makes them think about it more. Yeah, okay. Yeah can do that and then give them all the answers yeah i guess one of the challenges here is probably as advertisers we often overstate how much we think people are going to be invested in a challenge that we put out for Mm. them or a story we start to tell and then fade away from right so i think it's pretty important to be real about how much we're asking people to solve or how much we're asking people to give a shit right i mean none of this works if nobody cares right if i if i give you a problem that you don't care about and leave it unfinished you're like all right see you later i don't care whatever yeah you have to have some attachment to it yeah so not to go completely off track but if we think about game shows like who wants to be a millionaire Mm -hmm. where you always find out the answer after the break of whether Mm -hmm. they got it right or wrong Mm -hmm. they spend a lot of time trying to get you invested in the story and the person and they phoned a friend and how they're going to spend the money so you actually do care long enough to hang around Mm -hmm. to the other side of the ad break to find out how it all ends yep to be continued right cool. three powerful words wow. in advertising yep <laughs> thanks i'll write that down <laughs> yeah so how do we how do we actually use this okay me first you first you first me first okay what i think is really interesting about this and it's very topical so this is probably going to date the show a little bit but one of the, the really hot issues in creative advertising at the moment is the six second format so for those okay. of you outside the, the industry 30 seconds used to be the default time length for a piece of creative and you can tell a reasonably nice story in 30 seconds. Then it sort of got down to 15 and now really through social media and digital channels, six seconds is kind of what we get. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of conversation about how do you tell a story in six seconds? Can you get somebody to feel happy or sad or motivated or inspired or challenged within six seconds, which is an insanely short period of time. And what I think about off the back of today's episode is that Maybe we don't have to tell the whole story in six seconds. Maybe what we have to do is just elicit enough curiosity in that six second window that we get. Yeah. You know, because I can make someone curious in six yeah. seconds. I can do that. Can you? Because I'm still sh- hard. I'm sure I can. Do you want to yeah. hear how? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> right? So I can do that in six seconds. <laughs> you just did it in two. I d- exactly. <laughs> I can do it three times in six seconds uh, and then pick up the story somewhere else. So I think for yeah. brands, that's an interesting way to think about using our short form media whether that's a printout or a billboard or a short video mm. not trying to tell the whole story just enough to hook people and then you can close the loop for them later you've also repackaged the whole idea the whole idea is not to tell a story in six seconds yeah right the whole idea is to garner emotional investment in six seconds it's to write a headline right six seconds is a long time to read a headline that's all and we're back to 1926 <laughs> <laughs> all right and what about what about is just people so it, it's just, it's just ordinary people trying to navigate our emotions in a distressing world um i'm going to give you a, i guess a bit of a hack to use this to your advantage right how do you Good. use this it's to uplifting. help you yeah. yeah yeah and i'm going to talk to the procrastinators out there never met one 
<laughs> right. Well, I am one. Yeah. Um, and um, and there's a whole lot of work that I'm not doing right now while I'm sitting in here podcasting well, with you. Yeah. Very important. Um, but it can also be serving as a procrastination tool. Anyway, so what's actually happening when we procrastinate, right? For some reason, we're failing to initiate a task, mm. right? For some reason, or complete a task, right? There's something going on there. And for some reason, we feel like we're actually safer not doing anything at all than actually moving forward, yeah. which might work in some instances. But when you actually have contracts to fulfill and things to things to complete, you actually need to get this thing started. So the most effective way to use the Zyganic effect to actually motivate you to get work done is to start that task, no matter what, right? Even if it's as simple as opening a document and writing the title and your name on it, yeah. right? Bad Decisions, a podcast by Dan Monhart and Melissa Weiberg. If we were to write a book, yeah. hey, there's an idea. Oh. If we were to write a book, that would be how we would start oh, it. Now we've because started it. That's annoying. Once we've started oh. it, we have created this state of tension yeah. that motivates us to relieve it. Yeah. So when I make a to-do list, the first mm-hmm. thing I should do is write make to-do list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually initiate the task. Yeah. I guess you could do and that. And I can tick that off and I'm already yeah. on my way. Yeah. But and you I were have... telling me some way that you even do this with PowerPoint presentations. Oh, yeah. Even yeah, like, before you write the title. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes I'll just like take the previous presentation that I did, yeah. duplicate it. Yeah. And save it as the name of the new presentation that I need to do. And now it's started. And for some reason, yeah, now my motivation, instead of telling me to stop to avoid doing that thing, yep. it now just wants to dive yep. in. And You've do opened it. a new box and you need to solve that yep. box before you can do oh, anything I'm else. So smart so, and such an idiot. So, you know, people say, you know what, just you just have to start. Yeah. You really do. You just have to start. And it doesn't matter if it's the smallest start, but you need to you need to sort of click go. You need to initiate that task. It will create a state of discomfort that you do not like and that will motivate you to actually get the work done. Sure. I think off the back of that, a really great advertising line for somebody might be like, just do it. So I might ah. try and pitch that to somebody. I think yeah. it could really work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could that could be big. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. I can see that. Yeah, cool. All right, I think is that you know what would be today? good. Oh well, I was sorry, just going to say if you added to that by even adding like some sort of a tick to say that you've completed oh, the task. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. We should start a, like a sports company yeah. or something. Yeah, interesting. All right, maybe All right, next time. So, um, so, so, Dan, I'm just wondering how you feel now, right? Because we started this episode with you having a problem that was unresolved, yeah, right? Well, first of all, I feel good that you care about my feelings. Well, what you might have noticed, I mean, I, I obviously do, but what you might have noticed throughout the episode was that I took you on an emotional journey, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Is that what just happened? <laughs> you just got totally psychotic here. <laughs> if I had emotions, that is definitely the journey I would have been on. Yeah, I made you feel a little bit bad about it, right? Oh, I, I helped yeah, to yeah, escalate yeah. and emphasize those feelings of discomfort so that now that we've solved the problem, don't yeah. you feel amazing? Amazing. Do you, ta- do you bulk bill? <laughs> no. No. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, I think I think we're good. Yeah. We're done. Yep. Goes we have solved the problem. Effect. Yeah. Solved it. Completed. Finished. Yeah. Feel good. Oh, there Wonderful. actually is one other bit that we didn't tell people about, which What's is that? really the key for how this whole thing works. Which is what? Oh, we'll have to find out next episode. Oh. See what I did there? Did it? Did that take six seconds? Maybe. <laughs> Peace out.